So Father, we just want to thank you for bringing us back uh, into your presence. We want to thank you for keeping us uh, since the last time we've met. And Father, we just commit uh, this new series uh, into, your hand, into your hands on how to study the Bible. Uh, I thank you because, uh, you know, one of the promises that we have in Jesus is that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And Father, we just want to know you today, even through our study. And we ask, O oh God, even for this promise of the Holy Spirit, even for him to lead us into all truth about uh, the Bible, that our faith will be strengthened as a result of tonight's uh, session, that anyone coming in that has doubts about the validity of your word, that has doubts about the authenticity of your word, I just pray that as a result of tonight's session, you would minister to them in a supernatural way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, it's good to have everyone online. Just for the benefit of our Instagram uh, supporters, uh, there's a live session running uh, on, on Zoom. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to send you the link, but I think it's okay to make do with what we currently have. Uh, but if you would like to join us in person, or when I say in person, I mean online, then feel free um, to uh, send us a, an, a message and then we'd be more than happy to share the link with you. Um, it's good to have um, Extraordinary Edith, uh, Mary, Harsia, and um, Susie, all the way from tropical Ghana. Uh, it's good to have you. And our brother Paul as well. Um, I'm tempted to say tropical Nigeria, but um, we'll keep it on the download on that one. And, and Kemi as well. Um, as many of us that can turn on our cameras, that would be grand if you are able to, to turn on your camera. Oh, wow. It's good to also have uh, Brandy with us. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a while, Brandy. Um, but yeah, it's good to have you with us. So yeah, so today's topic um, is introduction uh, to the Bible. And in fact, the topic for the entirety of February and potentially parts of next month is going to be based on this as well. Now, today's teaching is going to be very different from the ones I've done before in the sense that uh, rather than teaching straight, which and then I'll have pauses, I think I'm going to make this almost like a Q&A type uh, session where I might just throw a question out there and get people to respond to it. And then we'll compare the responses against scripture. Because um, I think for this one, whilst everybody's view does matter, um, I think it's also worth saying that sometimes there might be authoritative views that we might want to look into uh, based on the scripture. So that's the general sense of today's session. It's going to be like a Q&A session, really. So there are different questions I've noted down here. Um, that way we can have a very good uh, interactive uh, conversation. So the very first question uh, I want to ask is this. Who is the author of the scriptures? Who is the author of the Bible? Who is the author of the Word of God? I could see a lot of eyes rolling. Uh, feel free to come off mute um, if you have any response uh, to this. Um, I feel with this particular question, you might find that there are so many answers uh, that can potentially be answered. So uh, by all means, um, the floor is open. Who is the author of the Bible? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Okay. Do you want to tell us a bit more? When you say the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It means that 
um, the disciples and all that have written the scripture have all been influenced and inspired by, by the Spirit of God. So the scriptures is the Word of God written by men with influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we, the initial Holy Spirit went from the Holy Spirit to a bit more description. So within that, you mentioned the word disciples. Uh, you mentioned the word people. Um, I'm trying to remember what the last word that you mentioned was, but it feels like there God. is a progression in your response rather than just the Holy Spirit. Uh, did you want to say a bit more or are you happy with the response you've given? No, I think I'm good. Curious to hear what the rest have to say. Okay. So, uh, Cassia is leaving the ball on the table for somebody else to, to pick it up. So yes, who is the author or who are the authors of, of scripture? Or the Bible? There was a thunderous... Sorry, Ola, can you say your um, question again? Yes. Who is the author? Or who are the authors, plural, of the Bible? Is there an author? Did the Bible just fall to us from heaven? How did we have the text that we call the Bible? Um, so, for me, I, I can't remember why I read it. But I read something that, like, God is the author of the Bible, but there are many writers, if that makes sense. Okay. Why did you make a distinction between writers and author? I would imagine if you pick up a novel, usually mm -hmm. the person that will call the author is the same as the writer, unless you mean a director where, in, in the case of um, plays, where you might have writers that mm. write particular episodes but mm. you have an overall director that puts everything together that's kind of how i see it like the in holy spirit was the one giving you the inspiration to say okay go ahead write this out right obviously holy spirit is not there writing the thing out and paul was writing or peter was writing james was writing, whoever was writing but the inspiration came from god it came from the holy spirit so that's why I make that difference differentiation. Okay. So I guess your your response is quite similar to Cassie, even though she looks at me a bit bewildered, as though you've said something that she wasn't expecting. Um, somebody on Instagram said the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of men, wrote the Bible. Okay. Um, that's great. Shall we look at what the scriptures say about that? Um, so there's a text, or I know somebody's posted in the group chat. Um, ultimately breathed and inspired. Um, did you want to say a bit more about that, um, Susie? Excuse me. Um, I think, yeah, I think, you know, Cassia and Man, is it Manu? Have both sort of summed it up yep. in terms of what I was going to say. Um, but there is a scripture in Timothy which talks about it being the, the word of God being God breathed. I guess God has used saints and people to send his message through. 
Okay, thank you. I, I think we can all agree that indeed God is the ultimate author, but then he might have used different ones at different times um, to pen the literal text. So why don't we turn to Second Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 20. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20. So the question that we're trying to answer is, who is or who are the author of Scripture? Second Peter 1 verse 20. If anybody's there, then please uh, do read uh, to us. Okay, I go. Please go ahead, yes. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Okay. That's 20. 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but only men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen to that. Um, Paul, is it safe to say that you're reading the um, old King James? Um, because you just didn't say spoke, you said speak. It's safe uh, to say. It sounds like Shakespeare's English. So I'll read from the NIV, which is a bit of a, mo a modern translation. So it says here, Second Peter 1, uh, verse 20 to 21, and it says here, uh, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so those texts in itself just tell us that what we consider scripture, and we'll look at that in a moment, um, did not come because uh, Paul, for example, or Moses, for example, had a intention of, oh, this is a good idea. Why don't I write this down? The criteria for the things they wrote and the criteria for selection was the fact that in some of the translation, he used the word only men, uh, which means the people that actually wrote it were set apart. So holiness just means being set apart. They were set apart by God for godly uh, purposes, but God influenced them when it came to the penning and the writing of scripture. And I know um, there's another scripture that uh, Susie also mentioned, um, which is in 2 Peter 13. Second Peter, no, Second Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen, about you know all scriptures God breathed, um, and so that in itself tells us that the ultimate author, or shall I say, the ultimate director, if we're going to use uh, movie terms, is indeed the Holy Spirit. However, God, in His um, um, what's the word? God in His providence used human beings um, to then pen those texts for us in something that we can write. Uh, I think, in fact, there's very few uh, parts of scripture that was written by the finger of God. So I know, for example, the Ten Commandments, uh, the Bible talks about how God wrote it. Um, but apart from those selected texts, everything else that we have in scripture uh, was inspired by, well, everything is inspired, but in terms of the actual penning of things down, was written or given to us uh, by humans. 
And what you, the way, one of the ways you know the author of a particular text is usually when Paul is writing to a particular church, he would say, hi, Paul, um, and he introduces himself, I'm the author of this particular book of scripture. So yeah, so we've answered that question in terms of the authorship of the Bible. Now, you might have noticed that I was using the word Bible and scripture interchangeably. The, the question is, uh, we've, we call the scriptures or the Bible, the Bible, um, but the script, the Bible doesn't call itself the Bible. And does anybody want to share a bit more on that? Um, so whilst we might call the book that we read, in my case, it's on my iPad right now. Um, you can't actually find the word Bible in the Bible. Um, does anybody want to, I guess, give a uh, explanation as to why that is? Or what does the Bible call itself? So whilst we call the Bible, the Bible, if you look in the Bible, you can't find the word, the Bible, very similar to the way we call Trinity, you know, God, uh, Father, Son, and the Spirit, you can't find those in the scripture, but uh, they demonstrate an essence. So what does the Bible actually call itself? So the floor is open. Um, so I could see somebody here saying word of God uh, with a question mark. Um, if you've said that, please do let us know what scripture you're referring to uh, on that. Um, but yeah, um, extraordinary, Edith, uh, feel free to comment. I don't know. I'm thinking gospel, the gospel of God. I don't know. Because, yeah, I think, yeah, okay. Don't ask me to explain. Well, I think maybe the Bible is called the gospel of God because it's the story about jesus and about our forefathers i don't know uh, anyway something came to be gospel that was working to me so i'll just leave it at that okay gospel and just out of curiosity do you know where that came from why you call it gospel um i okay with what i've read the gospel of god that's like um so it has to do with the story isn't it i don't know with the story or like the good news of like God or whatever. I think I've read it somewhere, but I've forgotten. I'm so sorry. But I can stick to gospel and that's it. Okay. Sorry, guys. That's fine. That's good. We'll stick to the gospel for now. Um, somebody has just put um, the words, John 1 1. Uh, Manny, do you want to tell us a bit more? Holy book. Okay. Yeah. Um... That was the scripture that just came to mind. Like the word was God. I'm like, okay, it's referenced as the word. And that's the only one I could remember that has the word. And I'm like, I know where this is in the Bible. So that's fun. That's good. Um, and interesting, when you read that though, is referring to Jesus as the word. The John 1 1. And corrected. No, that's fine. It's at least we, we're exploring different thoughts here. So, um, so, so far we've got the word. Uh, somebody else also said uh, the gospel. Um, any other offers uh, from the room on what the Bible calls itself? We've actually mentioned it already um, in this session. I think it's scriptures. Okay. Do you want to tell us a bit more, please, Mary? Um, I'm, I'm sure it was... 
what you mentioned, someone mentioned it. Um, so, for example, I can see um, Romans 15, 4, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that came through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So that's an example. And then I think the one you mentioned about um, Second Timothy, yeah. that in itself had the word scripture. Within it, yeah. So, yeah, so in terms of the definitive thing that the Bible calls itself, um, there is the word, or more precisely, the word of God. Um, so the word or the word of God, just as my wife just said. I'm, I'm glad uh, that uh, Marcia is listening as well. But, yeah, no, the, the, the script, the Bible calls itself the word or the word of God, um, as well as the scriptures, Okay. So that's what it calls itself. Now, the reason why we sometimes use the word Bible, um, that's more like a English translation uh, of a collection of books, which the early church um, decided were the, what we have today as the scriptures. Um, so it's more like a collection of book and it's based on the Greek word, I think it's biblica or biblio. And so that's where the word has been translated. So it's effectively a collection of books that the early church decided were canonical for us. They were like what they believe were the word of God that God has given or written. And they then that's been transferred down to us. Now, scripture literally just means that which has been written. So I want to make a distinction here between the word of God and scripture. So there were so many things that God said that were not recorded for us. So, for example, there was a story in uh, the book of Numbers where the Spirit of God came upon a group of people um, when God, God told Moses uh, to anoint some people to act as, you know, uh, leaders uh, for his children. Now, at the same time, there were people that were then prophesying. And so I think it was Joshua that ran up to Moses to say, oh, master, master, there are some people that continue to prophesy in the camp. And Moses' response was, let them continue to do what they do um because his desire is that god puts his spirit upon all people now those people were speaking forth the word of god however there's no record of what they were saying for us and so there are so many things that god said that's the word of god in the old testament or in the new testament but the ones that have been recorded or written down is what we would call the bible or scripture if that makes sense so i'll explain that again so there are so many things that god said however not everything has been recorded for us the ones that are written which is really what the word scripture is that which is written is the bible so the word that we have today out of all the things god has spoken the one that has been given to us is the bible or scriptures Okay, so we can either say scriptures or the word of God, um, but the word that we tend to use these days is the Bible. Um, Paul, I noticed that you had your hand up. Um, yeah, I, I know you can I, sit down, I, but still, yeah, yeah, I don't want to drag us. I had it up when you asked the question, um, but now that we are progressing, then I move us backward. Um, I was just reflecting now to remember that. Um, when God was uh, instructing Joshua 
He told Joshua that uh, the book of the law, and that brings my memory to say, okay, it's actually in the New Testament during the um the period of um the apostles. That's when we have the completion, um, the complete Bible. Before that, had been um the laws for some dispensation. They only had the law and something scattered like that. And even when Jesus Christ entered in Luke four. When it was handed over, this I say scroll. So that's another word I was used to describe the book of Isaiah. Apart from what God said to um to Joshua to say the book of the law, he described it to be maybe mainly because it's only the law that they had then. Then when Jesus was to read, uh, it was handed a scroll. That's what they, they put it there. So I was just thinking of that, but we've moved on. I don't want to push us back. No, no, it's good. I, I like the fact that you mentioned it because uh, that just tells us how the word of God refers to itself, or at least scripture refers to itself. So I like the reference that you gave to Joshua 1.8, where it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, or you shall meditate on it day and night. Now, of course, we know that we didn't have uh, Leviticus. Actually, we did have Leviticus. We didn't have false kings at the time. We didn't have the book of Daniel. We didn't have the New Testament. And so in essence, the law, the book of the law that the Bible was referring to at that point in time was literally the first five books of the Old Testament. And so that's why it says, you know, the book of the law. And so that's a specific reference to the first five books that were written. Uh, whereas if we go further down the line, would start to see the word scripture being used in a broader sense. So let's look at one of them um, from, let's say, Daniel 2. So if anybody can turn to Daniel 2, that would be grand. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. If you get that first, then please feel free to read it. That's what? Daniel chapter, sorry, Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. My apologies. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Okay. Can I read? Please, yes. Okay, Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last to 70 years. Thank you. Thank you. So when I did a search for the word scripture, in fact, this is the first reference uh, that came up, that Daniel understood based on the word that God spoke through Jeremiah, and he referred to those words as scriptures. And so at this point, a lot of the other books have been brought in. And so now they've been referred to as the scriptures. And we also see the fact that Jesus himself also uses the word scripture. There's a section in which he says, and the scriptures cannot be broken. So literally, that's, you know, um, the, the, the Old Testament, for example, was referred to as the scripture. And even the New Testament were referred to as, as the scriptures as well. Now, I just want to ask this question then. So what was the Bible that the early church used. So if you were to be living in the first century um, after Jesus had died, what would have been the Bible 
that you'll be reading. So for example, we have the 66 books right now. Those that lived in the time when Jesus had just resurrected uh, or in the times of the apostles, what was their own Bible? Yeah. I think um, based on uh, what happened from the book of Acts of Apostles, we realized even Peter, uh, when he preached on the day of Pentecost and uh, the sermon he preached was based on the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. The prophets was referencing, this is what was said, and it was going ahead to say this, um, God has uh, highly exalted him, um, um, and he said salvation is not found in anyone else. Going for that, he said uh, the promise. Uh, it started from Joel to say the promise that was made. Uh, I mean, in the last of my spirit, that was Joel. So I think at that moment they've not compiled the Bible. So what they do most of the time that they are preaching is usually based on what Isaiah said, the prophets, I mean, the 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 law, the book of the law, which is the five books, then they they, they preach about the minor prophet and the major prophet. So that's, that's what they had then. Okay. So according to Paul, the Bible that the early church had was the Old Testament. Um, any other offers um, from anyone else? So as Paul said, yeah, the Old Testament and also like the um, prophecies that were like told told before because, mm -hmm. yeah, prophecies that were told before because also we had um, along the line, there was a prophecy. Is it um, some, some something anyway? Um, David prophesying about the coming of um, Jesus, him saying, and also him saying, when um how jesus was going to be condemned and how mm -hmm. he stood uh his clothes was going to be torn and how he was going to be killed and yeah i was saying yeah the prophecy that was spoken before and also i think the prophecy of Isaiah was also like spoken anyway in the new testament so i think that was how they were like basing things in order to to yep. move forward with their life so okay. yeah thank you um can i any other offers There's one more offer which um, might shed a bit more light as to what was the Bible that the or the scriptures that the early church used. So Paul and Edith they've talked about the Old Testament as 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 the scriptures that they used. Um, are there any other offers? It's kind of obvious, but you might not just realize it. Um, Is it the birth of Jesus Christ? from the from genesis i don't know i'm just guessing sorry it is say that again please um okay so you said that it's obvious and maybe so i'm like is yeah. it the but maybe okay it's still old testament sorry let me just shut my mouth i think i, I think for that let me help my sister i'm just thinking at some point, they were, the disciples were telling people what Jesus Christ told them. I mean, the word of Jesus Christ is part of what they used to witness, saying yeah. this is what uh, Jesus said while he was doing this, this is this. So they were using that. And as time progresses, mm -hmm. a time came in their life that they began to write epistles. 
And although they were not compiled, so they would just say, okay, take this scroll to, to the church in London, take this scroll to the church, just to give an example though. So they were writing those, and those are the things that were later compiled that became our own Bible. So men are being inspired and they will write to church based on uh, when they plant a church, just try to follow them up. And uh, that, that's what we have now. So just, yeah. Okay, thank thanks so much, Paul. Um, it'll be good to hear from the anyone that hasn't spoken yet. Um, if you haven't spoken yet, um, any contribution as to what the quote unquote the Bible of the early church was? So we've heard from uh, Edith, uh, the Bible being the Old Testament scriptures, and I think Paul said exactly the same thing. But then Paul made a progression from that to say um, the the recordings or the writings of what was recorded about the life of Jesus being passed across or um, also Paul mentioned the epistles for example the letters uh, written by the apostles and so on any offers from anyone that hasn't spoken Okay, so I'll take the, the silence as uh, no additional offer. Now, the reason why I thought I will ask this, and this is probably will draw us to, to a close when it comes to exploring um, facts or things about the Bible, is yes, it, the, the scriptures that they refer to was the Old Testament scriptures to start off with. Um, and it's what Paul and I think Edith mentioned. But then if you were in the early church, it's one. It's just like us today, right? We don't just read the Old Testament. What formed the New Testament for the early church was literally the second thing that Paul said, uh, the writings or the words spoken by the apostles. All right? So the words spoken by the apostles literally was what formed their New Testament. And so let's say, for example, Paul would write to the Philippian church. The letter that is written to that particular church would then be circulated to another church and that church would read those words so in the same way we for example we've got a single book that has been compiled to us when we read philippians philippians was actually written to the people in philippa right but then the people in ephesians or ephesus sorry they would get hold of the letter that was written to the philippians and so they would also read the letters that was written to that particular church and so that's literally the Bible that the early church used. So the, literally the words of the apostles uh, or the stories uh, that were written about Jesus was what formed um, the, the Bible, so to speak, uh, of the early church. And then let us look at one of them because I think this is quite key. And the reason why it's quite key is because, say, for example, in our present day church, if somebody doesn't like a particular church, guess what? They go to the next church. In the early church, they didn't have that option because there was just one text, or shall I say there was just one teaching, all right? So there was no way somebody could fall out with the apostles because if you fall out with the apostles, then literally you're no longer a Christian because there is that, because now we've got so much, um, I guess what we have in our present day is almost like everyone has an interpretation of the original text or what the apostles originally said. But when the original apostles were speaking, their words were authoritative. And I'll give you an example. So let's turn to second, no, first Thessalonians uh, chapter two, verse 13. 
second, no, did I say second or first? Apologies, let me just, sorry, first Thessalonians, anybody that gets there first should please read. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. Should I read? Yes, please. Um, okay, I'm reading the NKJV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it says, For this for this reason, we also thank God without season. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which also effectively works in you who believes. Amen. Amen. So when Paul was literally speaking, he was divinely aware that the words that he was speaking wasn't just mere words. He, he knew that he had the authority and the endorsements of God on him to be able to speak the words that he spoke. So whilst the words I'm speaking right now is based on Paul's letters or the Bible, when Paul was speaking originally, he was divinely aware that actually what I'm saying is indeed the word of God or would become scripture and it would become authoritative. And that's the awareness that they have. In fact, there's somewhere else in, in scripture where Paul talked about how he was anointed um, to bring light to the Gentiles. So in Paul's consciousness, he was aware of the authority that he had. And so with the apostles as well, that, you know, the apostles that were chosen, um, the 12 apostles, including uh, Peter, John, and the others, they were aware of the authority that they carried as God's own children. And I'll probably round off this uh, historical side on this point in Romans 16, verse 17 romans 16 verse 17 um if anyone can please read if you're there then please uh read especially those that haven't read yet um romans 16 verse 17 romans 16 verse 17 now i urge you brethren note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Thank you. Actually, this is not the one I'm looking for, but there's another point in which Paul says that they should note people that disobey or don't listen to the words mm -hmm. that they are speaking. And that's the sort of authority that they carry. So whilst in our present day, if somebody doesn't like the preaching of a particular minister, you know, they tend to vote with their feet in the early church there wasn't that same level of quote unquote freedom to vote with your feet because literally the words that the apostles were speaking or the, you know, the leaders of the church was meant to be taken as authoritative. Um, so I'm going to pause there um, before we now look at the purpose of scripture um, and then we're going to our breakout room. So um, any thoughts, any reflections from anyone um, before we now look into the purpose um, of scriptures sorry um 
Thank you for that. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. Um, um, will you say or this generally not to you to um to all our gentlemen and women on the call? Um, are we can we conclude that the spread of the gospel that has brought Christianity or the faith in Jesus Christ to us? Um, will you are we going to consider that as an advantage based on the points we just um examined to say then you don't have option. It's either you are in or you're out. And um I can still remember that um was it Peter? Yes, Paul was rebooking Peter to say, No, why are you saying this? I think at the point where they have been uh um they have been resent. For to they're not mixing with the Gentiles to say, okay, we we are we are first class students. You have to rebook them, rebook him. And they were yielding, they were growing. Um, that there's a kind of uniformity and there is a control level, and such that they can easily identify fake doctrines or anyone who have from faith. But now, like you said, if I'm not cool with your church, um, um Nigerians, we say there's no fight in church. I just say prayer and I say amen. If not, I find my way out. So uh, are we going to say that is an advantage or it will have been better? Maybe the level of that control and sanity will still be in the kingdom if uh, we are not um, um, libra like this. That's just what I'm bringing uh, to, hear, um, to hear our opinion to member of the community. Does anybody have any views on that? So, Paul, if I hear you correctly, yes, I guess the question is around, do we, which one do we prefer? The current day where it's okay for you to, um, I guess, <clears throat> choose your church affiliation versus having one rule where if everybody doesn't fall in line with a particular one, then um, you're out. Yeah, you're correct. That that's what I, I. Yeah, you're correct. What's your thought, Brandy? Brandy, you muted just in case you're speaking. I'm sure one of us has been in church for a while, so <laughs> we just something to say about this. Um, as someone who has changed churches, I would not appreciate it if we just had one church. <laughs> I like the fact that different people worship differently, they pray differently, they do things differently. And with all these different churches, there's a church for every type of personality out there. And so I feel like if we were in one church, it would not work. That's just me. That's an interesting one, actually. So, so Maini, just out of curiosity then, how did you think the early church survived? Um, by just, I know <laughs> they're not as many as we are now. Um, and I suppose, do you think it's also in God's providence that we don't have what we the early church had in terms of just one church or one group of people? In terms of how people survived, when you don't have a choice or you don't have, when you don't have that other 
option, obviously you just know that this is what you do, right? You wouldn't know that there's another option until someone is like, hey, have you ever thought about doing X, Y, Z? Um, in terms of it being God's providence, I all of it has to be up to him in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's also worth saying that there was actually conflicts in the early church. Um, and so conflict is not always a bad thing um, in terms of, so between Paul and Silas, I think it's between Paul and Silas and Barnabas, that there was a conflict where at some stage they separated from each other. Um, but at the same time, I think having different expression of church can sometimes also be confusing to the world. Because um, I remember once when we would go to evangelize on the streets and this is the streets of Woolwich here in London. On the same streets, you had about three to four different churches um, spreading the gospel. And one of the things that people used to say was, why are there so many expressions? Why are there so much churches on the same streets? So there'll be some people on the megaphone, uh, some people singing, some people giving out tracts. And I mean, to, to, if, if you're not a regular church member or goa, you probably think this is a bit chaotic. Why are there so much expressions? Um, and so I guess from a outside perspective, it can sometimes feel um, confusing. Um, and also, I guess, down to interpretation as well. Um, but I suppose it's in God's divine providence that, you know, that we have different expressions of churches. And I also find that, you know, sometimes the reason why we have different denominations is because, I mean, thinking about the Pentecostal movement, for example, there's a particular group that didn't like speaking in tongues, they thought it was demonic. And for those people to be able to survive, they had to move uh, somewhere else. So, yeah. But thank you so much, uh, Paul. Any other reflections before uh, we move on? Can I, I think I see Anna's hand up. Yes, please do come up mute. Now, I was just thinking, I think it depends on which region you're, um, you're practicing your faith. So if you're, if you live where, where you're being persecuted, you're less likely to move around because you, you, you're more likely to be like the early church. Like if you're living in, let's say China, that means your faith is probably going to be more rooted and you're less likely to move about because you're all facing the same type of difficulty. But if you're in like the West, like where we are, where, where there's liberty and where people can start building churches because they don't want to worship God, but because they want to build their own altars for them for themselves. Right? So, so, and then you get some people who do it because they love God, but then you get some people who do it because yeah. they want to even pervert the works of God or to make their own name. So I think, yeah, that's just my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just depends on where you are. Like yeah. it says in the Book of Revelations about different types of churches. Yeah. So yeah, just my thoughts. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's an interesting one, actually, because if, if let's say, for example, we've been persecuted, the chances of me wanting to go to another church will be very limited because I need to stay close to the brethren and uh, just because of the support that is required uh, to, to, to survive that persecution. So, yeah, um, context does make a difference on that. Um, no, thank you. Thank you. And then I'll just close here on the purpose of, of the Bible. And I'll probably just talk straight so that we can go into our breakout room and a lot of people have had different views on the Bible. So some people will call it an historical book. And if you've ever done a theology degree or studied the Bible at an academic level, 
you do find that some of the people that actually teach theology or teach the Bible are not actually Christians. Um, they see the Bible purely from a literary perspective. So in other words, the Bible has different genres. So if you find the book of Psalms, for example, you notice that the book of Psalms can be like a song where specific words are repeated and repeated. Um, same with Proverbs, for example, or same with the Songs of Songs. Um, there's a particular pattern. And so some people have viewed the Bible as a literary piece where they see it as a text that can be studied. And, you know, in fact, when, when you go to a Bible college, even a Christian Bible college, that's one of the things I want you to be good at, to be able to look at the Bible from a literary piece. So that's one way in which people have seen the Bible. Some other people also see it as an historical book. Um, and this is forms part of what we're going to explore in our, in our breakout rooms. Um, that is a, is a book that is full of stories. Um, some people feel, in fact, one of my lecturers at um, Bible College, he doesn't take the stories in the Old Testament as being literal. Um, so the pattern of the Red Sea, he didn't think there was a Red Sea. Um, and he's got his own justifications for that. Uh, walking through the Red Sea, he didn't feel that that was literal. Um, Jonah being swallowed up by the whale, he didn't feel those things were literal. And there's a group of people. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't see the word of God as the word of God, but they see it, they don't see it in the literal sense that some of us would view it. Um, and so for some other people, they see it as an historical book where they want to know what happened in a particular region. So what you find is even in the book of Acts, a lot of the things that were recorded um, when just recorded in scripture, but they were also recorded in other books uh, around about the same time. So for example, there was a section of the book of Acts that talked about how um, the disciples were expelled. So when um, I think it was Paul and um, that couple that he met, I can't remember their names, but he met them in Rome or he met them somewhere else. And that was because they were expelled, expelled from their region uh, because of a particular conflict. Um, so yeah, so some people see it as, you know, um, as an historical book, but as much as the Bible has history and also has, you know, poetic language, um, and also has metaphors. As far as the Bible sees itself, the Bible sees itself as the means by which we become saved, the means by which we get to know God. And I will get us to read a section in Second Timothy because that really underscores the purpose for which the Bible was written. Because if anybody fails to fulfill this purpose, then they are failing to fulfill the purpose for which the Bible is written. Of course, there are different other purposes that are listed, but primarily the Bible is a book for salvation. So 2 Timothy 3, um, and I think we've kind of touched on it um, based on what we said around inspiration. 2 Timothy 3 uh, from verse 14 to 16. Can I have a volunteer of someone that hasn't read so far? 2 Timothy three from verse 14 to 16. So if you haven't read or spoken, it'd be good to hear from you. Well, I can hear myself uh, through your device.
And then there was a thunderous silence from the people of God. You said Always. Second Timothy. Oh, okay. no, go on, go for it. It's funny how three people decide to go all at the same time. Second Timothy 3 from verse 14 to 16. 14 to 16. Okay. Um, and so it reads, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so this is indeed, brothers and sisters, is the purpose of the scriptures. Again, I'm not saying that this is the only purpose that the scriptures give us in itself, but this is one of the primary reasons. So Timothy, for example, his grandmother was a Christian, or at least knew God. His mother was also a Christian. And so that same faith that they had, they passed it on to him. And so from a very early age, Timothy, like most of us, grew up in church or grew up to know the word of God. And Paul reminded Timothy about the value of scripture. And he reads in verse 15, he says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible is literally a book of God's salvation to mankind. It's really, as much as it's a story that tells the narrative of God sending Christ to the world, it's the means by which God brings about our transformation. It's the means by which we become saved. It's the means by which we get to know what's on God's mind for us. You know, one of the questions that we're going to be reflecting on in our breakout rooms, uh, for those of us that are able to stay behind, is to say that, you know, have we experienced the transformative power of, of the scripture? So I'll just read it again. It says, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As far as the Bible or the scriptures are concerning themselves, it's not enough just to know the literary typology of scripture. It's not enough to know that, oh, some words are poetic. It's not enough to know that, that there's history behind the scriptures. It's not enough um, to know that, oh, Paul was the one that wrote all these five books. And in fact, it, and somebody else kind of puts an appendix on those five books. The purpose for which the scriptures are there is for the purpose of, of salvation. And I mean, I'm going to borrow an analogy in which uh, somebody from my Bible college used. He said, imagine water is flowing through the pipe, right? The pipe doesn't absorb the water and therefore water will just flow through it. Whereas if you have a sponge, if you put a sponge in water, the sponge will soak up the water. And that's the way the scripture should be to us, where when the word of God is spoken, or when, whenever the word of God or the scriptures are read, we shouldn't just be like a, a pipe where the word of God just goes in this way, out that way. We should be more or less soaked or use biblical language, be transformed by that which we are, we've read. And, you know, Peter, Apostle Peter puts this very eloquently. He said, we're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. It is this scripture that has the ability to bring about our transformation. 
as Paul says here, it is able to make us wise for salvation through Christ. And if you end up reading, it says all scripture is God breathed. And scriptures are quite different from any other books. It's interesting now, yesterday, for example, the lady that uh, Tina, that did our Instagram live, she said when she was growing up or when she first started going to church, she didn't like scripture at all. It wasn't something that, um, you know, she enjoyed. She didn't like it at all. But there came a point in which now, there's been that transformation that has taken place that now she's actually the one teaching other people. And that's the power in the word of God. It has that ability because it's almost like a seed that once it's sown, it has the ability to produce fruits. It has the ability to change the environments in which it is sown. So in verse 16, it says, all scripture is God breathe. The text we read in, the scriptures we read in is literally the power of God. And so if we boycott or boycott the reading of it, if we boycott the study of it, if we boycott the learning of it, then the salvation that is prescribed for us cannot be manifested. Because the means by which God brings about the change is through the word of God. Let's think about it, right? None of us, I mean, I know some of us might have had encounters of Jesus, but none of us were there when Jesus was on the cross. The only way we know that Jesus died on the cross is through the scriptures. None of us were there when Jesus resurrected. The only way that we know that Jesus resurrected is through the scriptures. So for us as God's people, the foundation of our faith is the Bible. The basis by which what our life depends upon is the scripture. And that's why we cannot boycott what the scripture has to say. Uh, there was a group of people that Jesus rebuked and he said, you know, you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And so in the same breath, Jesus is comparing scripture and the transformation power of God in the same breath. And so if I, you and I want to experience the change that comes, or at least that is spoken of in the word of God, we need to spend time actually reading it. We need to spend read, uh, at least studying it. And yesterday, one of the questions I asked the, um, the guest was, you know, one, what is one of the benefits of, of studying the scriptures? And one of the things she said was when difficulties come, to be able to hold on to something, studying the scriptures allows the scriptures to be your own. So rather than saying it as something that the pastor said this, or Paul said this, when we study it, it's almost as though it's no longer something that pastor said on a Sunday, or no longer what, let's say, Susie said you know, at Bible study, the same, those words, the word of God now becomes our own. And therefore it has the ability to bring about the transformative power of God. And I'm going to read that second, uh, first Peter again. It says, we're born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the word that abides forevermore. Now, things corrupt, things lose value over time. You know, houses, I guess, is on the flip side. They tend to gain value over time. But then even houses at some stage, if there's flooding, the chances are they might be overtaken by floods. If there's a bomb blast, they might be destroyed. 
but the word of God is incorruptible. It's something that can never be destroyed. You know, Jesus talks about how, you know, heaven and earth might pass away, but my word will always remain. And that's the nature of the scriptures that we have. Jesus himself, as the son of God that walked the face of the earth, he believed the Old Testament. The apostles themselves, they believed the Old Testament. And that's why some of them lived a very radical life, because they realized the word that they had was not just something that was penned by a human being. Yes, it's true that God used people to write it, but they had a lot more belief than just something that was written by human, but it's indeed something that God has briefed to us. And so what, if we were to ever explore the purpose of scripture is the fact that it's able to make us wise for salvation. So I'm gonna stop talking there uh, and I'm gonna leave the floor open uh, for some reflection before we go into our breakout rooms. So the floor is open if anybody has any thoughts or any reflections. So for us, um, if we, yeah, I believe this is not to, to counter what you said, but I'm just feeling for my brothers outside there. It's okay to counter what I've said too, Paul. Yeah, I'm saying that because I, 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 I am in agreement with what you said that it's for us to be wise and to salvation. So, but on the yeah, so I'm just thinking, what would be the lot? Don't you think the unbelievers or the people that um, the people that don't read the Bible? I don't say that I don't have the Bible. Bible you can you can get Bible anywhere, but the people of other religion uh, that are not able to to lay hold and read because it is in reading that it performs in its duty of conversion. So. Don't you think they are on, um, in um, they are disadvantaged? That's what I'm 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 thinking um, uh, about. And now to not say the 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 ones that are entitled to that, the so-called Christians, or about those that have never opened it. You know, there are some Christians that uh, they don't even have a Bible, let alone you know, open it. They are Christian; they don't go to church on Sunday, so they don't listen to it. But if they are Christians, they they're run by Christians, but they don't have anything to do with that, that historical book to them. So what will you say? Um, I'm going to throw this question to the floor. Um, if anybody wants to chip in um, on that. Hi, good evening. Just to answer your question, not answer, but just give my, uh, maybe my opinion. Um, So for those that don't read the Bible, I guess when the word of God says, that's why he wants us to go out into the world and, you know, spread the gospel, the good news, and let people know in our actions, in our conduct, not just, you know, a lot of people have heard for God so loved the world, but they're not interested in Christianity because, to be fair, some of us read the Bible every day, but still don't display the fruits of being a child of God. And if we're being honest, is that's the truth. Um, but I also think 
God is a very loving God. And he said, everybody will have the opportunity to know about Christ. There's no way anyone will stand before God and say, nobody preached Christ to me. And that's the love of God. Jesus will not return till everyone has heard about the good news of Christ. And that's the love of God. So yes, we can feel sorry for people, but they have a choice. And that's what salvation brought, a choice, a personal choice. God is not going to force them, but he will make sure they hear about Jesus. Not once, not twice. Not Some of us were saved by multiple, you know, mediums, hearing the word here, inviting you to programs. And you saw how God chase you down to have so everyone will have that opportunity so and that's the reason why we continue to pray you know in your personal time in your corporate time just pray for the souls of people you know when you speak in tongues your prayer is doing something for your family members your friends your work colleagues just lift them up in prayers you know there's a lot that you know their eyes are blinded sometimes it's not them but the devil has blinded their eyes to see so that's just in response to your question Paul thank you Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Brandy. Um, Paul, uh, do ask the question? Could you please repeat the question again? Okay, so the question is, um, don't you think the people that are unable, that does not have access um, uh, to the Bible, don't you think they're at disadvantage, knowing fully that it is when they have access to this that can bring about the work of conversion and salvation to them. So that was that was the question. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Brandon. I like what you said about how the end wouldn't come until Christ has been preached to every every person. And you know, that's why you have the likes of let's say Bible Society, for example, or a lot of Christian organizations that are doing what they can to help translate uh, the text into local languages so that it's accessible for everyone um, in, their, in their reading of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. People are at a disadvantage if, if they don't read it. I mean, even those of us that have multiple translations, um, we, have, we go to multiple churches. Uh, it's funny, during the lockdown, um, there was this running joke about how people say, oh, I've been to 10 churches today. And what that means is you dial in one church and then as soon as that is finished, you dial into the second, another organized church meeting, you dial into the third one. Sometimes even going to so many churches in itself, and it's interesting how Brandy mentioned how, you know, sometimes even we read scriptures and it doesn't make a difference. Um, <clears throat> and so for those that are even reading it, they are still not been encountering a difference, talk less of those that have never heard it. And so I think for us as God's people, we also have that um, responsibility or the weight on our shoulders to take the word of God to places that haven't heard it. And even amongst those that have heard it, to make sure it's well preached and, and well broken down. And that's why God has given, you know, um, different gifts to the church. He's uh, given the ministry of the teacher, has given the ministry of the apostle, uh, the pastor, such that the body of Christ will be built up um, and, and, and edified that way. All right, so we're going to stop there. And we're we going to go into our breakout rooms. Um, just a quick uh, word for those that are facilitating those rooms. Um, I'm mindful of time. We don't have to go through all the questions that we listed. So feel free to judge it uh, based on um, the circumstances of, of your room. Um, so in a moment, there'll be an invitation on your screen uh, to join a room. If you don't see any, that means you're staying in this current room. 
Um, so there'll be uh, three rooms. Um, Susie's room is in this space. Uh, there's Paul um, in room two, and there's Extraordinary Edith in room three. All right. So I'm just going to say a prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for the unveiling of your word that brings light. And we just continue to ask, oh God, that all that is written in scripture for us to believe and to leave out, I just pray that each person will be able to take hold of it, that we'll find time to read it, we'll find time to study it, we'll find time to meditate on it, because it's in doing those things that, Father, Lord, you prosper our ways. And we just continue to ask for your grace to be made available to every single person under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Amen.